Welcome to this week's podcast from Reality Christian Fellowship. We pray this message will equip and inspire you to love God, love one another, and love our community. For more information or to find out what's happening at Reality, check out our website at realitychurch.org.au or check us out on Facebook. We hope you enjoy this message. Keep telling Rob, you don't have to introduce me as Pastor Randall. Eminence or your grace will do. <laughs> I um, yeah. Today I want to speak about the beginning of Jesus' ministry. So if you've got your Bible, you can turn to Matthew chapter 4. And while you're doing that, I've got a word... Okay, um, for Daniel and Lani. So you've got to share this with Lani, okay? It's Isaiah fifty four seventeen, and it says, No weapon formed against you shall prosper. So um, I just want to give that as an encouragement to you, something that you can hang on to, that you can do warfare with. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. When I was driving down to Melbourne during the week, I, um, as I was praying, I just got this picture in my mind of our bookcase over there, which we started last year, you know, to buy Bibles, because our vision is homecoming. We want people to come home to Christ, don't we? Do we? I'm in the right place. Okay. And anyway, and the thought I got while I was praying was, there's not enough Bibles in there. In fact, we'll probably need a couple of boxes. So I'll let you think about that. Somebody's been questioning, is this God or is it me? You feel different inside. Your mind is saying, don't embarrass yourself, but something's bubbling inside of you. It's an emotion of some kind. Yes, it is God. Holy Spirit is wanting to break off some things that have been holding you back. And he's just saying, it's okay, let go and let God. Somebody else You've had some God encounters in your life, some times of refreshing, and you're wondering why doesn't it last. But God's calling you to go deeper. Spend time in his word, which Ken said this morning. Don't rush it. There are more refreshing times coming, and there is a breakthrough coming in your life. And this breakthrough is going to be a game changer and will revolutionise your walk with God. And I just get this sense it's going to be an exciting moment in time for you somebody else you're a practical hands-on type of person you're good at it but sometimes you wonder is it really spiritual is it a gift from the Lord Exodus 31 God tells Moses I have filled these men and he lists some names with skill ability and knowledge in all kinds of crafts so they were practical hands-on kind of guys So your hands-on ability, your practical approach to matters, to doing things, it actually comes from the Lord. So rejoice and give thanks for the gift that God has given you. Well, I'm excited. I keep saying that. But I am excited. I just like, you know, there's been prophetic voices have been prophesying. There's an awakening coming and I've been preaching on it for over 10 years. Well, Leonie and I have been watching some uh, videos on YouTube by Russell Brand. 
He's an English actor, comedian, radio host, whatever, and now he's a YouTuber. And um, now he's not conservative. He's not Christian. I may not agree with everything that he says or the colourful language that he uses. But he begins his videos with, welcome to my 5.8 million awakening followers. He's awakening and he's beginning to question things that are going on in the world. Uh, And he's asking questions, saying, this doesn't seem right. And it's like his eyes are being opened and awakened. And I'm just going like, whoa. I mean, we've got prophetic people or church leaders saying, you know, we've got an awakening coming. And here's a guy who's starting to to question things and he's awakening. So if you want to know why I'm excited, that's one of the reasons. Okay. Matthew chapter 4, starting at verse 1. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. And Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For it is written, he will command his angels concerning you and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I give you, he said, if you would just bow down and worship me. And Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him and angels came and attended him. First point I want to say is, Jesus answered with the word of God. Don't neglect this book. It is the most life-changing. It is the light for your path. It's a lamp unto your feet. It will change you from the inside out. Let God transform you inwardly by the renewing of your mind. It's how you renew your mind. Use the word. So Matthew chapter 4 begins the story of Jesus' ministry beginning and the kingdom of God coming to earth. And it doesn't come with any fanfare, a special fundraiser event or even media promotion. It begins with Jesus being led by the Holy Spirit. Now, who wants to be led by the Holy Spirit? Show our hands like... Yeah, I mean, it's good, isn't it? I mean, doesn't it feel good to know that you're being led by the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord and, and you feel good about it? And that's, that's good. Now, another show of hands. Who wants to be led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? One, Ken. Because Ken's got a sense of adventure. You know, we're probably going, God, what were you thinking? But you know, God has no favourites. If he allowed Job to be tested by the devil, then he had to allow Jesus to be tested the same. Otherwise, he would not be just and true to himself. Now, depending on which translation you read, some use the word wilderness, some use the word desert. So wilderness is a a wild and uncultivated region, a tract of wasteland. Desert means a dry region comes from the Middle English word meaning barren or dried up. How many times can we say that at times following the Lord, sometimes it actually feels like we're in a dry region? God, are you there? 
Now, sometimes we end up in that dry region because of wrong choices that we make. But other times we're in that dry region, that desert experience, because the Lord has allowed it. And the word desert comes from a Latin verb which means to abandon or forsake. Now, we only need to add one more letter to desert to get a yummy food, but that's another story. But we'll just look at the Latin meaning for a desert, which means to abandon or forsake. So the leading of the Holy Spirit into the desert was a prophetic picture of what Christ would endure on the cross when he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Being led by Holy Spirit is not always tempting, as in an offer that's really good, too good to refuse. It's not always pleasing. You can be led into something, but you really don't feel like going there. And I remember one time, you know, I got up in the morning, I said, Lord, what do you want me to do today? And he said, go and pray for your boss. <laughs> in the office. Really? Now, the CEO was, he was a, a man of faith. He went to another church. But I wasn't really too excited about actually having to go in and literally stand in front of him and pray for him. I mean, that was just pushing me out of my comfort zone. But anyway, I eventually plucked up the courage and walked into his office one day and I asked if I could pray for him. And he said, sure. I was nervous, would you believe? And it was one of the most most least confident prayers I've ever prayed. The next week, he collapsed while playing squash and was rushed off for heart surgery. And when he returned to work, he thanked me for praying for him. So being led by Holy Spirit isn't always easy to follow. We can be out of our comfort zone. It can be a hard place. I mean, Moses wasn't too excited about going to confront Pharaoh, was he? I mean, he kept pleading, God, send somebody else, send somebody else. I really don't want to do it. God got really cranky with him. Go and read that in Exodus 3 and 4. Jonah, he didn't want to go to Nineveh and preach a message of destruction for, or judgment because of the wickedness that was in that city. He ran the other way and he ended up in the belly of a whale. From that time on, a lot of Jonah's friends thought there was something fishy about him. But being led by Holy Spirit isn't always the easiest place to go. You can be led into something, but you don't feel like going there. It can also bring great spiritual warfare, which makes sense. I mean, Satan and his minions aren't going to give you a free pass if they know that God's put something on your heart to do and you're going off to do it. And they're going, no, we don't want the kingdom of God to advance. But if we can overcome, if we can step, we can step into, if we overcome, we can step into a new level in God. Jesus went into the wilderness. He faced the enemy. He faced the spiritual warfare and he returned in power. Being led by Holy Spirit can bring both fear and excitement. Why would you experience fear? It's because we're experiencing something bigger than ourselves. And we never know the whole thing. God only reveals what we need for the time, and then over time he releases more to us. The Son of God led by example, by following the leading of the Holy Spirit, even though it took him into a hard place. And the desert is a tough place that we can't avoid. We will have our desert experiences. But... Why did Jesus go through the desert? Hebrews 4.15 For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathise with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. 
So he understands. And Jesus said, a servant is not above his teacher. If Jesus had to endure the hard place, the desert, then we too will experience deserts in our life. But we also have the promise in Romans 8.28 that God will work all things together for good. So even in that desert, even in that hard place, the wilderness, the struggles, the loneliness, the pain, God is working all things together for good for us. Anyone can follow Jesus when the going is easy. It's during the storms of life, those trials, those desert-type experiences where our faith is tested. But why? 1 Peter 1.7, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory and honour when Jesus Christ is revealed. So Jesus was led by Holy Spirit into the desert for 40 days. Now, numbers in the Bible are not there for their good looks. Okay, They actually carry meaning. For example, in John chapter 21, Jesus sees the disciples fishing and they haven't caught anything. He says, well, throw the, be- uh, the nets down on the other side of the boat. And it says they caught 153 fish. Well, that's an odd number. No. In Hebrew, 153 is the numerical value for I am God. So Matthew's gospel begins with three generations of 14 in Jesus' family tree. Three is the number for divine fullness or completion. And Galatians tells us that when the fullness of time had come, Christ, uh, God sent forth his son. So Jesus was born at the right time in human history. It was a divine God-ordained event. Fourteen is the number for deliverance or release. Well, what did Jesus come to do? To bring release to the captives. The 14th time Jesus' name is mentioned in Luke's gospel, Jesus delivers a man from demons. So 40 days in the desert. Well, 40 is the Hebrew word for mem, M-E-M, like mum but with an E. It's the number for trial or probation. It can also mean the end of a trial or testing. Therefore, if it's the end of a trial, you're coming into something new. For Jesus, it had both meanings. It was a time of trial for him, but at the end of the trial, he came into something new in God. He came out of the desert in the power of the Holy Ghost. Now, there are many 40s in the Bible. For example, Moses spent 40 days on the mount receiving the law. That was something new. The 12 spies spent 40 days exploring the promised land. There were 40 days from Jesus' resurrection to his ascension. The 40th time Noah's name is mentioned in Genesis is in Genesis chapter 10 and verse 1. And it says, these are the generations of Noah. So that speaks of a new beginning. Eight is also a number for new beginnings. And eight goes into 40 five times for all you mathematicians. Five being the number of grace. So new beginnings can be by the grace of God. The 40th time that David's name is mentioned in Samuel is when he had cut off Goliath's head which speaks of the purpose of a trial or testing, uh, is to overcome the flesh and subject it to the rule of the Spirit. Well, this is part of what Jesus faced in the desert. So while the 40 days in the desert was a time of trial and testing for Jesus, it was also a God-ordained moment because he was led there by Holy Spirit. 
The other thing that occurred during this time of trial and testing was the hand of the enemy was exposed. You know, Paul says in Corinthians that we're not to be ignorant of the devil's schemes. So God exposed the hand of the enemy in the desert. You know, the devil is real. The enemy will try to derail what God has called us to do. He may wait a long time to do it, but he will try because he can't help himself. He hates you with a passion. The Bible says that Satan has come to steal, to kill and destroy. Don't let him steal what God has for you, even if you are in the desert at the moment. All right, so Jesus, after he goes through the desert, verse 13 says, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and um, Naphtali, to fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah. So after Jesus came out of the desert, he goes to this particular region to live, and that was to fulfill a prophetic word. This is where he began his ministry. But before he could fulfill that which had been prophesied about him, he had to endure the desert. And it was here that Satan tried to disrupt the prophetic words that had been spoken about Jesus. He tried to stop them from unfolding. And we may find at times that as we step into what we believe the Lord has called us to do, that circumstances will start screaming at us, hey, you're going the wrong way. What are you thinking? This is not going to happen. And there are times when we're following the Lord where that word of the Lord that we receive to go and do such and such is going to feel like it's not going to happen. Words from the Lord may not come to pass until after we have been through that desert experience. So hang in there. You know, when John and Jean Lake came to Cherelgan 50 years ago to plant this church, Cherelgan was known as the graveyard of Pentecostal churches. In the early days, they even received death threats. But they hung in there and, uh, and then this place exploded. All right, Matthew 4 verse 17 says that Jesus begins his ministry preaching, repent for the kingdom of God is near. Mark also records the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Mark 1.15 says that Jesus said, repent and believe the good news. So the kingdom of God is a message of repentance. John the Baptist preached a message of repentance. Peter preached a message of repentance on the day of Pentecost. Luke 24, 47, Jesus said, It is written that repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. On the first night that revival broke out on the Scottish Hebrides Islands back in 1949, hundreds of unsaved people entered a church on a Sunday night repenting, some of them crying out to God for mercy. No one had preached to them, but the kingdom of God had come. It's been said that up to 75% of the converts were saved before they had even stepped inside the church. The Holy Spirit was moving upon people wherever they were, at work, at home, bringing conviction of sin, and they repented. In 2015, I attended a, a pastor's conference in Canberra put on by the Australian Christian Lobby, and uh, I think it was, it'll go down as one of the best conferences I've ever been to, or the best. One of the speakers was Nick Aroni. He's one of Australia's leading constitutional experts and he's also a Christian. And he spoke about the need to understand the major revolutions of history and their influence. He said Christianity is a reforming revolution. It causes deep self-reflection and repentance, which is a constant process. 
For example, Paul instructs us that at communion time, we need to examine ourselves, to judge ourselves. James chapter 1 says to not only be hearers of the word, but doers of the word. You read that and you go, like, well, hang on, am I hearing the word? And then secondly, am I doing it, what it says? You know, and I liked what Lisa said last week when she spoke on the Lord's Prayer and how she talked about her own self-reflection. That's um, just part of the Christian experience. It's an ongoing thing. We keep being reformed all the time. So repentance leads us to reconciliation with God. So repentance, therefore, is a good news message. I'm reading a book at the moment, a history book called From Sea to Shining Sea, and it says true repentance is not only tremendously freeing, cleansing and uplifting, but it brings the blessing of God in its wake. You know, in these days of woke ideology and political correctness on steroids, our nation needs to hear the message of repentance more than ever. And the church is the body that God will use to bring about a spiritual reformation in the nations. And the only hope for our nation and for our people in our nation is to return to the values that helped shaped it way back in the beginning. And that was from a biblical worldview based on the words of Jesus. So the kingdom of God is near when the message of repentance is being preached. But it is more than just words. In the words of the famous Demtel TV commercial, but wait, there's more. From verse 23 to the end of chapter 4, we find Jesus teaching in the synagogues, healing the sick and casting out demons. So Matthew 4.23 in the Amplified, it says this, And he went throughout all Galilee, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the good news, the gospel of the kingdom, and healing every kind of disease and every kind of sickness among the people, demonstrating and revealing that he was indeed the promised Messiah. Verse 24, so the news about him spread throughout all Syria and they brought to him all who were sick, those suffering with various diseases and pains, those under the power of demons and epileptics, paralytics, and he healed them. Mark chapter 1 gives us a little bit more detail on that first message that Jesus preached. Jesus spoke at the synagogue in Capernaum and Mark records that the people were astounded when Jesus got up to speak. And in the middle of his sermon, a man who was possessed by an evil spirit cried out, What do you want with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? There was no prayer line. There was no laying on of hands, no altar call. All of a sudden, just bam, in the middle of his message, this man starts to call out. A demon manifests during the message. And Mark says that Jesus said to the demon, be quiet. Now, he didn't say it politely. It says that he said sternly, come out. Jesus had authority and he used it. 1 John 3, 8, for this purpose was the Son of God manifest to destroy the works of the evil one. Jesus didn't put the man out of the synagogue. He put the demons out of the man. And when Jesus did this, the people responded, what is this? A new teaching and one that, with authority. He even gives orders to impure spirits and they obey him. It was something they had not seen before. And Mark says, when Jesus told the demon to come out of the man, it shook him violently and it shrieked, but the man was not injured. And when we begin to see things like that happen, and we will, don't be afraid, all right? Because we have authority over the demons. 
It's another subject altogether that some sicknesses are caused by demonic oppression. Acts 10.38 says, Jesus healed all who were sick and oppressed to the devil. He cast out the demons and then the healing came. Demons need a human body to work through. They manifest when we speak up, when we preach the truth. People might get offended and leave. They might call us bigots and haters and all other kinds of names. I mean, some news media in America are blaming mass shootings on Christians. But what did Jesus say? The gates of hell will not prevail against the church. He's the church. That word means, um, it comes from the word ecclesia, which means a governing authority. So, to try and bring it all together, being led by the Holy Spirit might take us into a desert place. And if we find ourselves in the desert, in that hard place, that time of suffering and pain or whatever, don't give up. In the desert, God exposes the work of the enemy. And in the desert, our defence and our strength comes from the word of God. Don't neglect the word in our walk with the Lord. The kingdom of God is the message of repentance and is demonstrated by healing the sick and other infirmities and casting out demons. When Jesus sent out the 72, he told them that they had authority over the enemy. Jesus had authority to preach. He had authority to heal the sick. He had authority to cast out demons. Spoiler alert, when you get to the end of Matthew's gospel, Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me, therefore go. Go with what? With his authority that he's given to us. Jesus has now delegated the authority of the kingdom of God to us. You know, the 2021 census showed that the number of Australians identifying as Christians has dropped yet again and is now at an all-time low of 44% compared to 97% at Federation. Yet we find that at the same time, issues such as anxiety, self-harm and depression are the number one health concern in our nation, especially among the young. Just in the last couple of days, it's been on the news about a stabbing in Maui and a a fight that almost led to a stabbing at Trelgan Secondary College. You know, we've got authority. We can pray for God's peace over the valley to disrupt the work of the enemy who's come to steal, to kill and destroy. According to former Deputy Prime Minister John Anderson, our society is fractured, divided and less coherent than ever. And he says, why? Because we've moved away from God. But Jeremiah 6.16 says, Ask for the ancient paths, ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. Well, what can we do? Well, our church vision is homecoming. Now, it isn't just about waiting for the backslider to come home, for the prodigals to return or expecting some unsaved people just to walk into church on Sunday. Now, that can happen. It could happen. And yes, we should be praying for that to happen. As I said before, we've been buying Bibles to to be able to give away to people. But homecoming is also about us following the example that Jesus gave us to go out and bring them in. Because if we don't reach out and take an active part in homecoming, we risk becoming a Christian social club instead of a living, breathing, Holy Ghost-powered, devil-busting, Jesus-loving, on-fire church for God. 
fulfilling the mandate that Jesus gave us to go into all the world and disciple the nations. You know, this is the time for us to arise and shine, for our light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. When does the glory come? According to Isaiah 60, it comes when darkness covers the earth and thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you and nations will come to your light. This is our time now when everything is against us, when the world seems out of control to stand up and say, I will serve the Lord. I'm going to let my little light shine and I'm going to make a difference wherever he has planted me. It's our time to win the loss. It's our time for homecoming. Here endeth the lesson. If you would like prayer this morning, especially if you're going through a desert type experience, uh, come and we can pray for you. Father God, we just thank you for the truths that are in your word, for the examples, the encouragement that's in your word, for the strength that is in your word, for the truth that is in your word. And we thank you that you have delegated your authority to us, Lord Jesus, to preach the gospel. If necessary, use words. To heal the sick, to cast out demons in your name to speak in new tongues as you gave us in the Great Commission. So Lord, we just ask that you would help us to rise up and to stand for you at this time and win the lost and bring in people for the homecoming. In Jesus' name, and everybody said. Thanks for listening to this week's message. We pray it challenged and encouraged you to keep growing in your walk with God. For more information and to find out what's happening at Reality, check out our website, realitychurch.org.au or find us on Facebook.